every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Megan McDonough, CMO at Amparity. Amparity is a customer data platform company that helps B2C brands unify and stitch together their first-party customer data for effectiveness and efficiency in order to help companies attain and acquire customers. Megan is a seasoned marketing executive with over two decades of experience leading marketing teams in the high-tech space. In this episode, Megan dives deep into the world of first-party data, what it is, how you collect it, and how you can harness its power to create effective marketing strategies. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Megan McDonough, CMO at Amparity, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining. Really excited to chat into all things Amparity today. Uh, and of course, your background. So let's get into it. How the heck did you get started in marketing? I've always been fascinated with marketing ever since I was in, I don't know, probably high school and thinking about what I want to do in college. And I was actually a marketing major in undergrad in a, as a business major with an emphasis in marketing and kind of started off my career by, you know, in entry-level marketing jobs and moved my way up. In between there, I got an MBA, which again, another focus on emphasis on marketing. But I've kind of always been fascinated with you know, how humans behave and how you can message and influence them to drive to your brand or be, have them be interested in the in the products that you're driving. So it's kind of always been a, a lifelong passion that I've had and kind of always been tied to around a marketing role in, in, in my career history. So flash forward to today, tell us about what it means to be CMO. What it means to be CMO. CMO, I'm kind of in charge of the buck stops with me on all things marketing. So I had several jobs amongst my career where I had a very deep focus in a certain area. And as a CMO, you kind of have to be the specialist in, you know, in at least a certain level of knowledge in all of the functional areas, right? And I have to also make sure that everything's tied together and everything works together. You know, it's, it's different being, in my opinion, being the CMO of a B2B company where I tell my team all the time that it's, it's our job to make the sales team's job easier. Yeah. So everything we do on a daily basis makes the sales team easier. In fact, we just had a sales conference and a sales kickoff and our entire theme of our marketing presentation was, hey, sales, we have your back. Marketing has your back. Everything we do, and that's the kind of the, the filter that we evaluate things through is, is this going to actually help the sales team's job to make it easier? If not, then let's not do it. 
So those are so that's a very kind of uh, macro way of us evaluating things, different ideas that we come up with. Let's go to the first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? Where you go and feel honest and trusted and share those deepest, darkest demand gen and marketing secrets. Tell us a little bit about Imparity. What does the company do? So Imparity is a customer data platform company. And so everyone's probably like, what does that mean? But we actually help B2C brands unify and stitch together their first party customer data to make it really effective and efficient. So it actually can help retain and acquire customers. It can help the analytics team better analyze the effectiveness of different programs that are running and the I team to really, you know, gather and implement, you know, pull together all the data that they're within the company. So, you know, most of the time, let's take, for example, with the marketer, they're trying to evaluate who is our, who is our most valuable customer? Well, how do you understand that and know that if you don't truly know who your customers are, right? You have data coming in from, Offline sources, maybe it's transactional from the store. You have your online sources with your e-commerce. Maybe it's your loyalty programs. But how do you know if that data is not all unified and stitched together? Unless, unless that's done, it's really hard to understand how to build really effective marketing programs. So the, the biggest challenge is we, we have you know three different audiences that we have to make sure we keep up to date with, right? First, you have the IT persona that is usually in charge with manage, managing a lot of the different data feeds that are coming into the company or that the company has and which you know, customer data sits in. And then you have the analytics team that's in charge of making sense of all this data. How do we analyze and understand what's happening in the business and what, what are the most impactful things that the company's doing and what are those trends? Then you have the marketing team that's in charge of how do we actually retain and create great experiences and actually acquire new customers? And ideally, you want to acquire customers that are similar to those that are your most effective customers. So... So there's a lot of different challenges on the way that we have to think about our marketing strategy. And, and each one of those three audiences all are all experiencing different pain points. And so you can't talk them all in the same way. Yeah. Like what a marketer really wants to hear is very different than what an IT wants to hear. It's different than an analytics team wants to hear. So we really have to think about what is the pain point that, of that audience? Where do they show up you know, within the marketing channels? What kind of information are they looking for? How do we communicate that we're solving their specific persona problem? So it's kind of multi-dimensional of things that we have to think about, which can create some complexities. So we have to kind of break it down and think about our approach from who we're targeting, what problem are we solving, and then what size company are, are we talking to? So we can kind of really narrow in and focus on that target audience and making an impact. So looking at those three audiences uh, and those three sort of personas, how, how, do, you, uh, how do you build your, your overall marketing strategy that, that impacts those three? And, and where does uh, sort of pipeline generation or demand gen fit into that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. We, we try to think about, you know, within each of those audiences, what's the biggest pain point? And we... And what does our product do in order to solve that? And 
we develop campaigns that are specific to those particular personas. If you think about the buying group of a product like ours, right? It's it's a, it's an expensive annual investment to buy our product. So it, we're really thinking about what's the right way in. Like who's gonna who's gonna actually engage with our with our message and start going down the you know the cookie crumbs or the rabbit hole that we're pulling that we're pulling that particular persona down. Once we start getting into the sales cycle, we know that the buying committee is much larger than just the persona that we are actually tapping into. And so we have to think about things or what, you know, what are, are each of these audiences going to relate to at the top of the funnel and how do we start pulling them in? So some of that is you, we can think about looking at some search terms to say, what are, what are the most common search terms for our particular ideal customer profile and what are they searching for and how do we relate to those through the different audiences and how do we build the right messaging and content around them so we can capture them in the right places within the funnel and pull them down into our kind of you know nurturing process to make sure we're educating them it's a complex product so this is not we're not you know selling a pair of tennis shoes which yeah. may be a little bit easier to to communicate there, there's a lot of education that has to happen. If you think about the customer data platform category, it's incredibly complex and it's very, very crowded with a lot of companies that at least from our point of view are not full CDPs from end to end. They deliver different value to the customer, but not quite the comprehensive value that our product delivers. But we have the extra challenge of not only having three different target audiences, we have a category that's very complex with messages that are all over the place. And, and anybody shopping for a CDP is naturally very confused as to what to choose. And so, as, so we also have to add in a layer of education and making sure that we are educating those three different personas on what's our definition of a CDP and what value, what value do we deliver comprehensively across the category that's going to actually help them make money, save money and be much more efficient as a as a company which, you know, every company is trying to, you know, do those three things. So we, you know, we have one layer of a campaign that's, you know, what is a CDP that can kind of relate to multiple audiences where we really help educate them on what is our category and how do we help you just wade through all of the information that you need to by highlighting the things that you should really care about. And then we have individual campaigns to each of those audiences that are addressing their pain and showing how we solve that particular problem. One of the newer initiatives that we're driving is around how Amparity, by unifying your customer data, you can actually send those unified, really accurate and comprehensive profiles directly to a Facebook, a, an Instagram, a TikTok, a Critio, a Trade Desk. And actually what we're seeing is really incredible match rates, better than you've ever seen before, that we, we've seen before. And the brands have been telling us this, as well as a re reduction in their customer acquisition costs and a really strong increase in efficiencies in the campaigns that they can run against these audiences. 
because you're taking these comprehensive profiles with your first party data and you're no longer relying on the third party cookie graph to actually find those audiences. So what we call it is like owning your own database allows you to be much more effective than, you know, renting databases like or databases or audiences like you have before, right? Where you where you've called up your media agency and said, hey, I, I need this is the the target persona I need to find. Instead, you're saying, here's our highest value customer. Here are the customers that we know are are, are shopping with our brand. Not only find them within your your media database, but actually find build us lookalike audiences based on the first party data that we are going to send you. And so we at least send the, you know, anonymized first party data, not the actual people's names, obviously. But so that actually helps you, helps brands acquire customers that they actually, you know, have not been successfully acquiring before because that third party cookie data is, you know, diminishing day to day. It's getting worse and worse and harder to find. So we're now having a lot deeper conversations with the CMO and the paid media side of, of companies, as well as agencies who are trying to help deliver, you know, constantly increase the value that they're delivering to their clients by helping them use their first party data instead of, you know, renting, as we call renting the audiences as they have before. Yeah, it's such an interesting time for your product because there's this like gigantic thing that happened uh, to the industry that's this like a huge lightning bolt that sort of forces behavior to change. Like you kind of aren't fighting like organizational change, sort of like pre-pandemic when it was sort of, you know, IT was fighting up uh, a hill on things like remote work or video conferencing or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, pull off the Band-Aid, we're doing it now. So some of the brands that we work with. We have a lot of really great brands and case studies that we publish on our website. Some of the brands we work with are very forward thinking and they're kind of ahead of the curve, but there's a lot of, there are brands that are, they're nervous. They're like, what do we do? This is the, this is how we've always worked before, right? We're used to calling our agency and, you know, renting our database and finding our audiences and seeing great return on investment. And when those things start to erode, It's, you know, people are very nervous and what do I do? And so what we're trying to do is educate them saying, it's okay, we have your back, you know, first party data is your new current, it's marketing's new currency. And it's the way that you're going to be successful long-term. It's just a matter of like, how quickly is that cookie graph going to go away? We're already seeing it, right? You know, with, with, especially with iPhone users and you get the, you know, the notification, do you want to opt in to be followed? And most people are saying, no, don't follow me. And with some of the privacy laws, especially as they're rolling out across the U.S., starting with California, now Virginia and, 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 and others, those privacy and consent is, is becoming a really important factor that brands have to understand. And by owning your database and being able to control it, be able to unify it and understand, oh, this is my, you can actually create a segment saying these are, this is my segmented audience who has not given us consent to do anything. You know, it's very limited. You can almost suppress those audiences saying, let's make sure we, we, we are very careful not to, not to do anything with them. But then you also know the audiences that have given you consent that you can actually talk to and engage with. And that gives brands a lot of data confidence to make sure that they're following all the guidelines because nobody wants to, you know, everyone wants to avoid any kind of any kind of issues with with privacy or consent. 
When we're talking to, uh, when we're building shows, when Caspian is, is working with our customers to, to build a podcast series, one of the things we always sort of like dive into those personas. Uh, and, and oftentimes, you know, the sort of first instinct is like, well, let's make a show for all three of these. And then you sort of realize like, hey, nobody kind of would ever listen to that. And so you really have to dig in on, on segmenting those audiences, making something special for them. And I'm curious, like, do you think about those three audiences, like, segmenting them with like your dollars? Do you think about segmenting them with like your team? Like how is your marketing team structured around those audiences? How do you think about it, you know, from a marketing perspective? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, our product marketing team, we have a specialist that is, okay, you own the marketing audience. Someone that owns more, is more, a little bit more technical and owns the technical audience. As far as our paid media, it kind of depends on what the initiative that we're running. For example, and it's kind of evolved over time. As we add more and more features to our product line or to our overall you know, product packaging, we're able to have different conversations with different audiences. Historically, we've had better engagements with the IT and analytics side of the house because they understand the messiness of data yeah. and, and what's causing and how it's causing problems. And the, you know, marketing will say, oh, that's IT needs to, you know, marketing will ask IT to kind of help us figure out all of our data, right? But it hasn't really been marketing's responsibility. But now that we've seen really amazing results with a lot of our brands with paid media, we can now relate a lot more at the top of the funnel to to the marketing audience and saying, hey, you know, look at all these, these great results that we've had with you know, very large QSR companies or really large CPG companies that that brands would recognize that are seeing the results that they've never seen before. So there, there's something, you know, it's like there's something here. First party data can unlock growth for you that maybe you're in, in some of the declines you're seeing. It can kind of turn around that growth. So, you know, now we're seeing more engagement from the kind of CMO and and marketing side, where before the CMO and marketing team may come in a little bit more in the sales stage as the IT persona brings them together for that kind of buying committee. Any other thoughts on on strategy or demand or or pipeline generation? Yeah, I mean, we think a lot about where are our audiences in their discovery? As I, as I mentioned, this is a complex product. It takes a lot of education, a lot of evaluation. Yeah. So we, we constantly think about where are they in their stage? Are they, you know, do we have the right content for them in the awareness stage? And then what if they're in the evaluation stage? What do they need to know about our product? And, you know, maybe there's case studies that we think will be really impactful for them. And then, you know, when they're closer to the purchase phase, we make sure that we, you know, get them to a demo to really show what we can do and really highlight, especially for their particular solution, what we can do. So really splitting up kind of an understanding where are they in the funnel and and how do we, what's the message that's really going to work for them. And that's, it's been more of a, we have to think a little bit harder than kind of roles that I've had in the past at different, at different companies, because the stages are just, they're longer, right? It just takes, it takes a longer, a long time to get our audiences, you know, to the place where they're going to buy. We have, we have to do quite a bit of education to do it. And understandably, because it's, it's an expensive purchase and it's new and it's different and it, and it, and it does require, 
even organizational change and thinking in order to implement our product because it's going to change the way you work for the positive. But, you know, uh, organizational change and change management is a really important component that we, we definitely don't we don't take for granted. We know that that's it's hard across most large enterprises because they're just there's lots of people that you have to bring along and there's processes that have to change. And so we just want to make sure that we're kind of educating along that way. So there's no surprises as they get down into the sales, into the sales cycle. Yeah, it, it is. It is super complex. It's super complex when you have a complex product and just nailing that, that sort of the, the learner's journey versus the buyer's journey is like where are they at and just like learning about this sort of new phase or this new mm-hmm. shift and where do they fit into their sort of, you know, people throw around obviously digital transformation, but been around a long time, but it actually is a pretty good thing because you usually are on some stage of that digital transformation and whatever, whatever transformation you're sort of going to, if it's your, whether it's a CDP or just your data going from whatever data literacy to data, data fluency as an organization and like how, how data driven your organization like really is. I mean, all all those things are, are super important when you're selling because if you're like hey you know you're kind of talking 401 stuff and i'm like i can't get my ceo to like understand what data means you know or or whatever it is yeah so there's and there's a lot of education that needs to be done internally at each of the companies just because we there's so much utility and usefulness in the product but if only one of our target audiences buys it then they might be using it but then you potentially could miss out on the marketing team benefiting from it and the and the analytics team benefiting from it. And let me give you one example. Like, I mean, Brooks Running has been a longtime customer of ours. And the CMO at that company, you know, has a very influential role and has been able to influence multiple groups within the company to utilize this unified customer database for the good. And in fact, you know, one of the great examples that we always like to highlight is you know, they're, they, they called us up and said, you know, our customer service department is now, because they have access to a unified view of the customer, they are able to actually, you know, and, and you plug it in with something like a Zendesk, and they're able to actually understand the customer's problems before they basically before they even call call you or when when you're calling you know customer support and someone answers and says oh hi I I I understand I know what your problem is you you know you bought something last week and now you want to return it and your money's going to be in you know is going to be you know refunded to you in X days you know by the way you know I saw that you returned the medium and you kept the large you know do you, can I get you to maybe a product specialist that helps you understand like your size and our brand and, and what, 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 you know, apparel will be most effective for you. Right. So they can actually turn it into a really great experience versus, you know, most of the time when you call customer support, it's where's, you know, it's, it's usually not the most delightful experience. So they've actually been able to kind of turn around the impact and effectiveness of their, of their customer support group, which is great because that wasn't necessarily the intention of why they bought it in the first place. It was really more for their marketing organization. But again, it's that change management and that, and you, how do you roll out a tool that can be effective for multiple groups within a company? So that's just one of many examples of, of how having that unified profiles are able to help all your downstream tools, but it's just a matter of you plugging it into all the tools you use. Let's get to our next segment, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? 
You play to win the game. Or we open up that playbook and you talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Okay, that's good. Gosh, it's really hard to nail it to three. But if I had to think about it, I would probably say account-based marketing, really driving, because we're selling to large enterprises that are complex. Being able to drive account-based marketing has been really helpful for us. Events and field, just field events in general, have been incredibly successful for us. And then, you know, analysts and PR relations are really important because, you know, there's a lot, because we're in a very complex category, the analysts have got to be, you know, communicate. A lot of people turn to an analyst, especially for a new category to say, what should I think about? What should I look for? And making sure that they understand what our product does and how we're different has been really helpful because these large enterprises, most of them have analyst contracts that that's the first thing they do is call up their their Gartner or Forrester and say, yep. hey, can you help me wade through a lot of the details here? So th- th- those have been really helpful. Yeah, zooming in on, on the ABM stuff, anything you're doing that's particularly fun or exciting or has moved the needle in terms of generating pipeline? Well, the way we're trying to approach ABM is, you know, we take a topic, a large topic, then we can create content for, and then we figure out, like, think about it as a pyramid. You think about the top and saying, okay, who are the 10 accounts that we can actually be much more specific and go deep with? And then how do we build from the same play a one to few? Maybe it's around a vertical or a pain point of a particular audience. And then how do we build a one to many where we can kind of scale it? And that's, that's where we're, we're finding the most effectiveness and efficiencies, especially when you have a pretty you know, lean and mean marketing team mm-hmm. um, to, to do both ABM as well as have your kind of scale campaigns that captures a little bit more of the, the long tail of those accounts. So that's what we're, we're really trying to drive right now. So it's, it's going to, it's kind of TBD if it's, if it's going to work, we're, <laughs> we're, we're seeing early good views into that, but over time will tell. It's just, it's a, it's a way to approach it that we think we can actually scale and with, you know, with a small team. Any things that you're spending money on uh, ABM wise or, or from the field of marketing standpoint, that's particularly ROI positive? I mean, our, our most effective right now is events, webinars, content syndication does okay. You know, obviously you have your basic search just to make sure you're capturing the right terms, but I I think our most effective has really been events. And as people have been coming to, you know, obviously with the pandemic shift and people are actually coming to, coming to events, those have been our most effective in driving leads. And I think the, the the biggest challenge with those is, you know, are they enough of them? And, you know, how do you make sure that you're maximizing every single event that you're going to? Because they are pretty expensive and they take a lot of work, you know, a lot of a lot of just support to do them right. But they can they can pay off in spades. And so um, those are some things we're doing. But obviously around that, we build digital campaigns and experiences to kind of amplify those events. And But those anchor points are, are really helpful for us. And, and But webinars have been, done, have been a good source as well. 
so those are the things that we're that we're constantly looking at. Yeah, for the uh, I'm curious for the events piece. Is it a blend of you doing your own stuff or versus like going to events versus sponsoring versus like being the title sponsor? Like, how do you think yeah. about that breakdown? Yeah, we've been. It, it kind of depends on what the event is and the the people that are you know the the attendees we think sure. are going to be there and how 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 like. For example, NRF, like we have a lot of retail customers. Of course. So that's a re- that was a really great one for us to have a booth because then you can scan badges and you can actually have intimate conversations. But at the same time, we build customer dinners. We we get with our partners and we sponsor, you know, happy hour and events where we can have more intimate conversations. A lot of the events end up having kind of w- an, an opportunity to have one-on-one meetings and we, we have strategic reach outs ahead of time on the meetings that we really want to go drive with. Then we, you know, we, we do digital advertising programmatic and LinkedIn to try to, you know, geofenced to get people to come to our booth to understand it. Ideally we would have a keynote speech. Sometimes we can, and sometimes we don't, it depends on, you know, how expensive it is, how effective we think it'll be. But we have found just the way that a lot of events are evolving post pandemic in order to really capture you know, leads that are effective, you have to have that engagement, right? You have to have a booth where they can come and talk to your teams and see the product and, and engage with you. And so we try to figure out like, how do we maximize that within the, you know, the two or three days that we have and really drive as many kind of events and touch points for us to engage with, with customers who either were interested in or they're interested in us. Yeah, it's just, you know, the things that uh, that are so brilliant, we, we hear events a lot on Uncuttable, and then we hear events a lot on uh, like, hey, this is one thing we're actually scaling back. So it's so interesting hearing all the different takes on it. But I think one of the things that's so brilliant about events is that you can get that person super casually that like, was like, hey, you know, like, we're not, in the, we're not looking to buy it. But like, I've always kind of just wondered about Imperity, you know, like, I'm just, I'm cruising by, I got five minutes, you know, I'll go get a squishy ball and, and I'm going to, you know, drink my, you know, drink my whatever fizzy water and and just chat for a few seconds. And like, those are the things that just like low stress, there's other stuff. I have an easy out. I can get out of the conversation that just doesn't exist online. Right. When you're online, you're disrupting what someone is already doing online. I tell this to my team all the time. When we think about messaging, I'm like, Imagine that you're on ESPN checking out the masters because that happens to be today. And you're trying to say, you know, and that particular persona is in, is in our target. And we're trying to say, Hey, come look at Amparity, come and, you know, take time out of your, you're looking at who's winning the masters to come and dive into our deep into our product over here. And it's really hard to think about how to disrupt that in the right way. And so we're, we're trying to, and, and when you're at an event, you're kind of there to understand what are the products that are, and what's the innovation that, you know, let's take NRF, for example, like what's the, inter, the what are the products and innovation around, around retail, right? What's new and how can I improve what I'm doing? And I'm going to go check out those people. And the good thing is then we put you, you know, we can kind of nurture people along. We don't expect them to buy next week, but like, kind of bring down, you know, continue to update them on, on what we're doing and how we can help them solve their problems. And they're in our, they can kind of, you know, take whatever time they need to understand what we're doing right at their own pace. And so it really, it really helps us to start that engagement because, you know, our engagement cycles are, there's some of them are take a, a quite a while to kind of nurture and get people down the, into the sales cycle. 
What about something that you're thinking about perhaps not investing as much in or cutting or, or, uh, or something like that? I think what has not, we have not really figured out is programmatic display for us just has not been, not been working very well. Yep. Part of that's probably because the cookie graph is going away. We're kind of thinking about our own, our own messaging when you're selling an enterprise SaaS product that, you know, has a, it's, it's, it's somewhat complex. Like how do you communicate that in a, in a banner ad, right? Exactly. Like, who's going to, who's going to click on that? It, so we're challenging ourselves to say like, what is that high level message that's going to get people to pay attention and to think about it? Right. Is it, you know, I'm taking these, the match rates, Hey, we can improve your match rates by 30 times. Like we have seen with some of our brands. If I were a CMO, I would click on that to say, how did they get 30 times their match rates? That's crazy. <laughs> I'm not seeing that in my stuff. Right? So it's like very, very important statistics that are going to really get people to think differently and to kind of come down and understand a little bit more about what we have to offer. We don't spend a lot of money on programmatic display. We do a little bit more on LinkedIn, but it just hasn't been showing much value for us. And so... We'll, we'll continue to fine tune it. We even use six cents. We have, you know, we know who we're targeting in our, yeah. in our programmatic, but we're also thinking about doing more of like, you know, competitive programmatic. Like if you, you know, we, yeah. if we have success with a hotel chain, we say, Hey, ho- you know, new hotel chain, look how we've driven lots of value for your competitor. Click here to understand. Again, if I was the competitor, I'd be like, well, what did they do with my competitor? I got to pay attention to that. Right. Like yeah. everyone can, their competitors doing. So these are some things that we're starting to dabble in that are going to be much more likely to get engagement than a generic display ad. Yeah, it's so tough. It's like, you know, you, you want to use that stuff to, to you know, warm people up to the brand before that those types of conversations or or keep something warm and more of like a nurture, you know, Facebook. It's so freaking expensive. It is. You know? And you can't measure, like I... I'm never satisfied with just saying like, how many people did we reach? Cause exactly. I know how long it takes, how many times you have to run it in order for people to pay attention. If you, if you literally, if you survey a room and said, how many people have clicked on a banner ad recently? I, I you would have very few people that have raised their hand. So, you know, very what's few. funny. I, so we're, we're running a bunch of LinkedIn ads right now for Caspian. And one of the things that, that we, that we've sort of been tracking internally is, so we try to make some kind of funny ones. And how many people like will screenshot it and send it to me and be like, Ian, yeah. I saw this. This is hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You have to use humor. You have to use yeah. like, you, you really, that's why I keep my, my team and I are discussing like, how can we be a little bit more edgy because we're, we're, we're selling to B2, B2C uh, companies. Like yeah. we don't have to be boring B2B. Yep. So we're really trying to push the envelope and how do we be much more clever and creative and, you know, witty and, you know, and to be to break through because no one wants to see a boring b2b ad right yep. it's it, 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 they all look the same right and so we're really trying to break out from that b2b mold so there's a lot of kind of you know brand strategy and design thinking that we're trying to evolve as well yeah you know it reminds me of some one time they were talking about a, a technology and it was not a cdp it was something different but they were like they're like, we have a five minute problem. You think about this five minutes a year, like that's yeah. it. And so it's like, 
they're not thinking about it the whole rest of the year. They buy it once, they spend five minutes on it. Like this senior leader is like, okay, these are the three we're going to go with. All right, you want to do this one? Great, let's sign the check. And then next year we think about it for five minutes of renewal. So it's like to do all this other sort of like jujitsu to try to get to that thing. For them, they're like, that's not really what it's about. Yeah. And so for that five minutes, we have to be like memorable. We have to, you know, all that stuff. And so yeah. how do you, how do you get in front of those people? And it, like you said, to, to, to rise above the noise or cut through the noise is, is exactly right. Yeah. And, and also just using really understanding the, within our ICP, like who actually is actually showing intent, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have much more luck. So we look at that quite a bit. Like we have a whole segment of people that are showing zero intent. And I tell my team, let's not worry about them. Yeah. Because getting them into the intent is a heavy lift. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I would rather take advantage of the people that are in the intent, at least somewhere in the intent journey, and 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 try to get them over to us versus our competitor. And so that's what we've been focusing on a lot. So some of that stuff has been it's been much more helpful to do that. Otherwise, you're spending a lot of time just you know banging your head against the wall trying to trying to get people into the funnel. Yeah, it's the create create demand versus capture demand sort of conversation, and like what yes. are you doing for both is so important. Yeah, and a small company though, we have to hedge our bets of, you know, let's make sure we're capturing you know the people that are that are already in intention, and as as we grow and become have a bigger team and have you know bigger budgets, maybe we can actually pull people in, right? And especially as the CDP as a solution becomes more and more, more mainstream, then we can start, you know, getting people into the funnel more. How do you view your website? We view our website as our storefront, right? So this is, this is our storefront. We don't have, we don't sell our product through the channel. This is, this is, you know, kind of how you engage with our company and our, and our brand and our sales team. So that's how, that's how we view it we make sure that we're set up to capture all of the right journeys that come through our website because we obviously have three different audiences. And so that's really critical for us, you know, obviously from even lead all the way through the sales process. There's, we even see people coming onto our website when we're in the middle of a deal process because they're just trying to understand things, right? It's, It's complex. They're trying to understand it. They're trying to validate and it plays a really important role for us. All right, let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline quickly, tap into your greatest asset, your website to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly, and I mean instantly, start sales conversations. That's the problem we were talking about earlier. You know, you're walking by, check somebody's website. Hey, you want to talk to a person right now? And you can do it with qualified. So go to qualified.com to learn more. Quick hits. Megan, are you ready? Yes. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? I've dabbled in Irish dancing. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you've been checking out recently? I've been watching, I'm kind of deep in succession. I'm all caught up and I'm kind of infatuated with it. So, What is your best piece of advice for first-time CMOs trying to figure out pipeline generation? Pipeline generation, really understand who your target audience is and what their customer journey is and what's, what, what content's needed at what place in the funnel. <laughs> it's, it's fairly straightforward, but it's more complicated to actually do it correctly. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. Thank you, Megan, so much. It's been awesome having you on the show. For our listeners, you can go to imperity.com, especially if, you're, if you know a B2C marketer who's out there. You should definitely go check it out. Megan, any final thoughts, anything to plug? 
No, I just want to say thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much and take care. Thank you. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.